we're going to get started. We want to give Don a lot of time this morning, or as much time as he needs. So, Don and Stephanie Smith have been coming to us for years now, and um, we just want to say that uh, we really love and appreciate what Don and Stephanie have brought to us over these many years, and they're here with us this morning to encourage us to speak into church life. Um, Once Don starts to speak, if you're not familiar with Don, you're going to realize that you're probably going to need some translation services. And those translation services are available at the front. Joe, myself, and Brent can translate when necessary. Uh, He isn't speaking in another language, although I'm not sure that's the Queen's English. But anyway, we want to appreciate uh, we want to appreciate uh, Don and Stephanie. Let's give Don a big hand as he comes and speaks to us this morning from God's Word. Thanks, Gary. I've got, I've got this. Thank you. This is a change of venue, isn't it? Isn't it? Talk to me. I think you're, you're getting English, you lot are. This morning in that first song, we should have congered around the movie. I wanted to. I'd have loved to. But I thought, I'm a visitor. I mustn't do it. You're getting very English, aren't you? Aren't you? Don't you conger here? Do you know what a conger is? Come on, Stephanie. Come, <laughs> Come on, Brent. You're joining, Stephanie. Come on. You, you hold on and you go round. Come on, join us. Come on, hold on. Come on. You're coming as well. Come on. Come, don't you just sit there. Come on. You're... Too, you need liberating. Come on, you need liberating. Come on, I'm having him. Come on, you need liberating. Dun, 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 dun. Come on, mother, join in. Bum, ba, dum, bum, bum. Come on, let's join around. <laughs> yeah. You're getting very English. He's been, you've been liberated. Hooray! <clears throat> You ain't going to get away from it. When we got into our building in Eastbourne, we ended up with a rather, I'm getting old, having to be on stages and things. So the first Sunday, after a couple of Sundays, I got fed up with it because people went silent. They all started being quiet. So one week I got up and walked across the chairs and began to speak to people and say, would you like to take part this morning? And on the next uh, leaders' meeting, the chairman of the trustees said, we mustn't walk across the chairs, you know. It's not the thing to do. So the next week, I thought, you're not going to beat me. I took my shoes off and walked across the chairs. And when I went back, somebody had hidden my shoes, so I was in problem. Come on, we're here to enjoy God this morning and to enjoy one another. Where were you this morning? I heard you were good this morning, weren't you? I didn't hear a word from him. Come on. If you come on. What about you? I didn't hear. Come on, God's to be praised. I didn't hear you this morning. Where were you? I was here. Did I hear you snoring? <laughs> I know I'm so I can have a, If you want to visit someone, I know them. And I can have a go at them, can't I? Listen, don't let the venue put you off this morning. We come here to worship the living God, haven't we? No chairs, no building, no way we sit is going to stop us. No. no. Oh, no. going to stop us, is it? No. We have been, God has brought us into the strings of the Spirit, to free us to love him and express our joy in him. Right? Isn't it? 
I remember going to a wedding in an Anglican church. It was a girl, she didn't belong to our church, but she was attached. Her parents came. She wasn't a Christian, and many of the church went. And the Anglican minister got and said, we would please ask King's Church not to take part today. So I shout out, Hallelujah! You're not going to tell me how to worship God like you do. I want to worship God. Come on, I want to stir you. Don't go asleep because you're back here. You lot, don't go asleep. I used to creep around the back of Kings to find the back row ones. Do you know who sits in the back row? All the oddballs. <laughs> don't sit in the back row as I think you're an oddball. Look, there's one. I teach you to sit in the back row. What are you doing in the back row? What are you doing in the back row? He, that's embarrassing this morning. He never, <laughs> I shall never get invited to tea again. Let me encourage you, come on, let this building not... It's a problem at the moment. God's going to give us a good answer, isn't he? Yes. He's going to give us a building that suits us. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Now, if you think I'm balmy, I am. <laughs> when I got converted, I got to a church. I was converted in my 20s, and then they started to conform me. Tie, suit, don't have long hair, don't do this, don't do that. Well, I'm, I got baptised in the Spirit, and that's changed, right? I want to worship God and enjoy God. Romans chapter 1 says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness by faith from first to last. Just as it's written, the just shall live by faith. Paul's writing to this church in Rome, and he here, right in the first chapter, states what the gospel is. But before he tells you what the gospel is, he tells you who is it about. It's not just doctrine. It's about a person. And he gives you that in the first few verses. He says, he, he's, he says this, the gospel promised beforehand through the promise in the Holy Scriptures regarding the Son, who by his human nature was a descendant of David, who through his spirit and of holiness was declared to be the Son of God. So though the gospel is doctrinal, it's about a person. And we must never forget that as we get into talking about doctrinal things. It's about, it was achieved through our Lord Jesus Christ, stepping into time, space, world, and living a, a perfect life and dying on the cross for us. But the gospel at the bottom there is this. It's a righteousness from God that is by faith from first to last. Why do you need a righteousness? Why do I need a righteousness? Because the next verse says this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. The reason I need a righteousness because outside of God, the wrath of God is upon me. Outside of uh, Christ, the wrath of God is upon me. I notice the church near us, it's got, God loves you. I'm an adulterer, right? I steal, I lie, I do all that. And they says, God loves you. Well, he does in a way. But you're still under the wrath of God. A lady speaking to me the other day, she runs the Alpha course in the church that we used to go to. She said the, the non-Christians cannot understand any possibility why God should not love them. Amazing. But listen, outside of Christ, you are under the wrath of God. And you need a righteousness if you're going to stand in God's presence. Let's look at my notes. I ought to look at them occasionally, didn't I? How do you feel? How do you feel? Do you don't want to conger again, do you? You think I'm joking, don't you? I'm not. Right, let's get serious now. Listen, this book is the most wonderful book in the Bible. Romans is the most uh, used book in many ways. So Augustine was 
uh, saved by reading this book. Martin Luther was transformed from a, a monk trying to keep the rules, trying to beat himself down, uh, fasting, praying, doing this to try and get right with God. He said of these verses, I hated them. I hated them. Because he saw in these verses a demand for a righteousness from him. And one day he saw, no, it's God's providing the righteousness. And boom, he came alive in God. He suddenly saw it. It's not me trying to get a righteousness. It was God providing a righteousness. John Bunyan, drunkard, no good, through this book, became a Christian. And, uh, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, Grace Surrounding, great things like that. John Wesley, resistant Galatians, that this uh, religious man who tried to, he set up the holy club where we kept the rules. They kept the rules like none of you un- understand. They checked every penny they spent. To waste money is a sin. To waste time is a sin. So they kept checks of it all. They visited the prison, went to the poor. They did all they could to be saved. And they then realized they were not saved. And it was when they, that this, and Galatians was opened up to them, that God provides for you a righteousness. You cannot produce your own righteousness. And uh, so, and it, uh, this whole theme of being justified by faith, I'm not getting rid of that, I'll just get out of the way, right? It's the good news of salvation that God has found a way and through Christ Jesus to bring us back to himself. And there's this theme of justification by faith. What does it mean? It's the doctrine which tells us that God has contrived a way whereby men and women can be saved and reconciled to him. Remember, if you're outside of Christ this morning, you're under the wrath of God. Aren't you? Christians should agree with me. If you're Christians don't, you're under the wrath of God. And it says God has contrived a way through, uh, to uh, reconcile him to himself. All he's doing, he tells it's, it's, it's also it's all based on what God has done in his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Freely forgives, absolves you from all sin to all who believe the gospel. And the trouble is, many of us Christians get this one a bit cranky as well. We don't believe it because we then move into our Christian life trying to get credit with God, trying to tell him we live a good life and we do well and he owes us a debt. No, we don't come that way at all. We come with those who are completely bankrupt, under the wrath of God, deserving hell, deserving damnation. And God, through his son, finds a way where he can put us right with himself. And it's all of his doing, freely. It doesn't stop at that. Furthermore, he clothes us with Christ's righteousness. And he declares us right in his sight. Listen, just to do away with my sin is not enough. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah, we've all sinned. But I need a righteousness. I need to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And his perfect righteousness, he walked this scene perfectly. He died on the cross for me. And his life and his death is credited to me. I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Acceptable. Listen, you can't lose it. Adam in the garden lost it. Because it was human righteousness. It was what Harry achieved. Week by week, he kept up with what he was supposed to be doing. But one day, he lost it. But I'm a Christian. It is not my righteousness. I have no righteousness. It was purchased on the cross by Jesus Christ and given to me. I can't lose it. Can you? Christians can't lose it because you never earned it. We'll get to that in a moment. I'm going too fast, aren't I? Never mind. I'm enjoying myself. You don't enjoy it. I do. Hey, does the gospel not excite you? Does it not excite you? I found the habit, when I come to Canada, I always get a cold. It's foreign germs. Right. <laughs> Let's read another scripture. Let's have another go at that one. It's Romans chapter 4. Let me read it to you. 
then what shall we say? That Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter. If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Adam, Abraham, believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now when a man works, his wages is not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David said the same thing when he spoke about the blessedness of the man whom God credits righteousness apart from the law. And the bit I like is this, he justifies the wicked. The author says the ungodly. He justifies the wicked. What he's talking about here, that if you work for someone at the end of the month, you don't, uh, uh, they don't pay you out of a, a gift, you've earned it. He's right, I've got a right to have that. I earned, I've, I've worked the whole month for you, come on, you pay. You don't go and say, do you mind, it was very good of you to pay me this month. Do you say to your boss, thank you very much, very kind of you, you are very generous. You don't. You say, I've worked the month. I, that's, if you've worked it, you've done your bit. And, you've, you, uh, and you, you, you claim your wages. But if you've done nothing, if you've done nothing and it's credited you, it's a gift credited you, it's altogether different. It's altogether different. We're out of the area of works and what we do. Salvation is what God does. And he says he justifies the wicked, the ungodly. I must keep turning back to those notes. Let's start reading some of them. When I first preached this many years ago, an older man got me in the back row and had a real tear at me. God doesn't do that. He only re- he forgives you when you repent. Rubbish. You can't repent until God has done something in you. And he got very angry with me. Doesn't God justifies the ungodly, the wicked? Paul in Romans 4 gives Abraham as an example. The scriptures we saw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And he announced the gospel. Uh, in advance to Abraham. Abraham would bless all the nations. All the nations would be blessed through him. Abraham was given a kind of preview down there. What quite, what you understand, I don't know. God made a covenant with him in the terms of Jesus Christ. Abraham believed that and he was justified. He was justified and he was counted righteous. Paul goes on to make it still clearer. Now when the man works, it's wages, not credit, we said that. It's a gift, but an obligation. However, if the man does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, by faith, it's credited as righteousness. That's what happens when you're a Christian. We've all come at the same level. Joe Crummy didn't come as a holy man and get saved. He came as an ungodly man. He came the same as I came, and you come. We come with nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. We get this funny idea, we've got to do something. No, no, nothing at all. It says in Romans chapter 3 this. It says uh, that he might... uh, this, that I say that this time he's righteous that it might be just and justify those who believe in Jesus. He says it will justify those who believe in Jesus. Here it goes much further. It's much stronger. He justifies the wicked. Who's the man who is justified? Who's? He has two things about him. One is this. He does not produce any works. He cannot present an account. He has no bill. He has done nothing. He's a complete failure. He's a complete failure. That's the first point. The second point is this. The man who is justified, not only a man who has no good works to show, he's actually ungodly and wicked. God justifies those. The apostle puts this plainly in the previous chapter. Therefore, he declares, 
Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. That means by producing something, by keeping the rules, by uh, going to church, by reading your Bible, by giving money, by seeing old ladies across the road. Many people come with their credit list and think God's going to accept them, and that's all right. No! You cannot be justified by God in what you bring. All are declared. Uh, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. The whole world becomes guilty before God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I like what you look at, talking at church notice board sometimes, how they advertise. Mr. So-and-so is coming, millionaire. Why do they tell us he's a millionaire? He's a, he's a wicked man being saved by grace. And the way they say it, you think, they don't understand. Because this brings us all down to the actually the same level when we start. Ungodly. That's where I was. When I look back into my past, living in a London, slummy area of London, I wasn't looking for God. I was looking for women and drink. You know, the end of my road was a pub. I mean, you don't know what pubs are over here. This said it could put a thousand pints on the bar at any one moment. Guinness Book of Records it was, right? And I wasn't looking for God, you know. When you look back, you see you weren't. We've all uh, sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not just those people who we think are the worst, the ones out on the edge, but oh, they're the worst. We've all done that. Ignoring God, not obeying him, not loving him. Whatever your good deeds are, if they're not done to his glory and by his energy, they're filthy rags. Even your righteousness, your righteousness, your best you can bring, is filthy rags before God. Don't bring your righteousness. It stinks. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the entire human He says another place, we all by nature are children of wrath, even as others. There's no one righteous, no, not one. When you, get, when, you listen, when, you're, when you become a Christian and you look back, you see you never were godly. You never were godly. But imagine it. People imagine they would go good. God should have me because I'm, I'm a nice person. I came from a Christian home. If you came from a Christian home, you're ungodly. You need to get saved. Those children out there need to get saved, even though they come from Christian homes. Don't, forget, don't think we just push Bible stories into them. They need to be saved. They need to be born again. They need to be made, made alive. You need to be praying for them. If you're teaching them, pray for them. They can grow up knowing all the Bible stories and go to hell at the end, can't they? You look very sober this morning. Am I being that bad? All right, never mind. You look back. The Jews thought they were doing very well, didn't they? You think you did very well? The, the, the Jews, they, 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 they sunk themselves into the Scriptures. They argued about it. They had the, they, the Pharisees would have the Scriptures on their parts of their dress, you know. They gave their money, they did it all they thought, and they thought, now God will accept us. I'm not like that bloke at the back. You know that story? And he, they're just sinners. You know, they just, they failed. There's many people who think they're worshipping God, and really they're only worshipping their own goodness, or they created a God in their own image that suits them. Do you remember people create a God that suits them? Or they just worship their own goodness. In our town, we've got a posh in, and occasionally we get people from there. That's, some of them wonderfully say, praise God, and they transform. But you kind of get the posh one who thinks, we, sh- we should be accepted here because we're somebody. God wants us. We're posh, and we've got money. You ain't, you're a sinner. You need to be saved. When they say that to them, they scarper. They run away. <laughs> Not all of them. Some of them got saved. Praise God. All right. Um, they simply worship them. They make gods of their own. You know? And when they're confronted with the God of the Bible that manifests himself in the Bible, they hate him and they dislike him. When the God tells them that they're sinful, they're hopeless, they cannot save themselves, they resent it. When you tell them that, that, that nothing but the death of the Son, God's Son, can redeem them from the fall, they think it's an insult. 
that the cross is an offence to them. It's an offence to them because they think they do it. That is ungodly. That is ungodly. Justification does not make us righteous. Listen, it does not make us righteous. God does not justify the ungodly. justifies the ungodly, the wicked. He does not make us godly and then justify us. Um, when Paul says uh, that, that he, he, that he justifies the ungodly, it's not the ungodly made godly. It's not the unrighteous made righteous or the righteous becoming righteous. It's the ungodly. Till God does that, you can do nothing. Till God does that, you cannot do anything. You think, I found God, I did this, I did that. You could do nothing until God justified the wicked. And the moment that happens, the whole thing begins to change. It's an, uh, uh, if you, uh, uh, I will read Romans again. Romans chapter 5. If you're not convinced of me, you see just at the right time when you were nice and holy and looking for God. No, sorry, I got that wrong. Listen to me carefully. Listen. You see, just at the right time, when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die uh, for a righteous man, though for a good man some might possibly uh, dare to die. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't know the love of God in your life this morning? It's going hard, life is tough. Then don't look inside, look to the cross to see the demonstration of God's love that Christ came across eternity, goes to the cross for you. He lived a perfect life and dies on the cross. That's the demonstration of God's love. Not how I feel this morning. Not if I ate a bit of rotten meat like, I mean, uh, last night and got a bit sick and feel horrible. Ah, nobody loves me this morning. God demonstrates his love at the cross. Let's, let's go on. Since you have been justified by his blood, having, how much more, having been saved from God's wrath through him, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled through the death of his son. Listen, justification is a legal thing. It's a forensic thing. God declares uh, justification as a declaration by God that he now acquits the person And he puts on them the righteousness of Christ. It's like a judge. Joe Curry, there he is. And I say, not guilty. Now let's look at this in just a little careful way. We won't do Joe Curry because I'd use myself. If I do something that is wrong, what shall I do that's wrong? Something I did wrong. I love you too. All right, I killed somebody. And I'm brought into the old Bailey in London. And all these people make their arguments. At the end, the judge, I did kill them. I strangled them. There's a few people I'd like to have done that too. Never mind. That's ungodly, isn't it? Listen, listen. And, And I'm in the court and the judge says, not guilty. I'm not justified. I got off. I got off. You understand that? Now let's take the next step. I didn't kill anybody at all. I'm a very kind person. I never touched anybody. I go before the judge and he says, not guilty. I'm justified. Do you understand the difference? And he makes you like the second one, as if you had never done it. Justified. I used to think when I get to heaven, I'd ask for mercy. I'm not going to ask for mercy. I'm going to ask for justice. He paid the price for me. Right? Do you understand that one? It's a legal matter. It doesn't make me better. It doesn't do anything to the man. It does not change him. But he puts on you the righteousness of Christ. My lovely Lord Jesus Christ. 
altogether lovely, who walked this scene in absolute holiness and compassion and mercy. And everywhere I failed in my life, his life is credited to me. And his death is credited to me. Listen, his death, we understand. But his life is credited. Where I failed in life, he didn't. Well, I didn't love you, he did. So I get the benefit of both. Now, I am called to love you, but if I fail, his life is credited to me. His death is credited to me. Right? It's all, it's, it's not that we have changed, it. when we, uh, it's a legal thing, it's a matter of giving us his righteousness. Let me give you another story, I've, I've used it here before. David and Jonathan, you know David and Jonathan? They become great friends. Now I don't know, if, if you saw da- uh, Jonathan walking down the street, you'd have noted, he's a prince. He'd have gone down the street, there would have been others around him, he'd have been beautifully dressed, probably in purple. By the way he dressed, you'd have known he's a, he, could, he could dress better than Gary Galen. You know, get the money, see. He, now he was beautifully dressed. You'd know he's a prince by the way he dressed. And there was David, and this time he's not king, he's a shepherd boy. You knew he was a shepherd boy. Do you know why? In polite company, oh, no, he's in again, he's coming. You know, we, we had a friend who, we have a friend still, he has a dairy and sheep farm. And he's one of the elders of the church there. We're up there one night, and we're waiting for him. And he gets there late. He says, I'm sorry I'm late. We've got lambing on. I had a bit of a mess of a couple of them tonight. I had to stay with them. So I didn't have a time for a shower. Well, he didn't need to tell us he didn't have a shower. We call smell it. That was David was like, he sat in the fields in the dung where they were. Sheep do smell when you get close to them and rub up against them. That's David, the stinky old shepherd boy, and this beautiful prince, beautifully dressed. And they become friends. And one day, they swap coats. And uh, Jonathan takes this scabby old dirty coat from David and puts it on and wraps him in his beautiful garment. That's what Christ's done for you. He's taking your garment, pulsing with sin and evil and disgust. He takes it, goes to the cross and dies with it. And he wraps you in his perfect righteousness. This morning, if you're a Christian, forget about doing it at the moment. When When you're born again, you're, you're justified, you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And you can't lose it. Don't come forward to get prayed for. It's a waste of time. You need your brain sorted out. Listen, I know I'm laughing there, but people come forward for things and they tell you that they don't understand these things. Listen, I'm so old because I failed this week. I know I failed this week, but I'm still righteous in Christ. I haven't lost that. Because you're going to fail. We don't want to fail, but we will. We're clothed in the righteousness. He imputes to us. He puts to our account. He credits it to our account. The righteousness of Christ. Another little way I like to think about it is this. Uh, <clears throat> I don't want to tell you this. It's a secret. I don't want to, don't tell anybody, will you? The Joe Curry, when I got here this week, he's absolutely up to his eyes in debt. He's been gambling, doing all the things he shouldn't be doing, right? <laughs> and he said to me, well, look, Don, if I, if I really try hard, I could pay that debt off. Well, actually, we worked it out. He'd have to live three lives, never eat, never do anything to pay that debt. There's no way he's going to pay that debt off, right? No way at all, right? And what I did, I paid the debt off for him because I won the lottery last Saturday. So I, I paid the debt. That's dealing with sin. But that's not enough for Joe Crummy. Do you know why? As soon as he buys a, 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 a coffee tomorrow, he's back in debt again, isn't he? Right? So I've got to put him in credit. You know? I've got to, so I put into his account a million pounds. Well, Christian is like that. God puts into your account all that you need. Right? 
all that you need. If you go on this, these chapters, you find it. It's the life of Christ flowing through you. He clothes you in righteousness, right? He clothes you in his righteousness. He's going to provide all you need to live this life. Let's we get on to that in a minute. I'm running ahead of myself. You, you're, you're with me? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, all right, good. I want you to be with me, right? He puts the, he imputes to us the account, he credits to us the righteousness of Christ. And it's, it doesn't make me righteous. I'm still Don Smith. I'm still a scruffy old so-and-so. But he's made me righteous. In God's sight, I am righteous. He looks at me in Christ as perfectly righteous. And it never changes. It will never change. It will never change. Listen, it will never change. Whatever I do, it will never change. Because the righteousness, unlike Adam's, wasn't earned by me. It was earned by Jesus, who gave it me as a gift. And I'm clothed in it. That's wonderful. That's liberating, isn't it? From the day to day. There's a hymn I like this. It's, it's not sung today. Pity it isn't sung. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dressed. Miss flaming worlds in these array, with joy shall I uplift my head. We can stand before, we, we can open our hearts, to, we can open ourselves to God. Bold shall I stand in that great day. You can stand bold now. Are you a little black ant person? You know what a little black ant does? Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. Oh, no! Come on. Well, you know God loves you. I don't care if you love me. I don't care tuppence if you love me. I do a bit, but not a lot. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Uh, Listen, I am loved by Almighty God. I am loved by Almighty. Don't just say it. Let it sink into you. I am loved by Almighty God. That liberates me. It liberates me and frees me from many things. It liberates me from wanting to praise of men. It liberates me when they moan about me. It liberates me from, I'm loved by God. I don't care if you don't like me. I was in Buckingham Palace this summer, and I saw the Queen. You don't believe me? Yeah, I don't care if you don't want me around your house. The Queen had me in her house. Do you hear what I'm saying? We didn't see the Queen. It was a statue of the Queen. It was a model of the Queen. Right? Yeah, a, there's an illustration of this in Zechariah in chapter 3, where Joshua, the high priest, he represents the nation. He's standing before God, and Satan is accusing him. Satan's always accusing you. He's always out there accusing you, and he's covered in filth, his own filth. He's covered in it. And Satan's accusing him, and God says, remove his turban, move that, and put a clean turban on and a fresh robe on him. That's what God has done for us. Not because of your works, not because you're pretty, not because you come from a Christian home, not because you preach the gospel, not because you do anything. Because of what his son has done. And it's free. Wonderful, isn't it? This morning, if you're not a Christian, you can come now. It will never be easier to come. You say, oh, I can't come. I, I need to get, I, I need to weep. No, you don't need to weep. I need to feel horrible. You don't need to feel horrible. I need to do something. You don't have to do anything. If you're a non-Christian this morning, you come just as you are, without one plea, but that his blood was shed for you. Do you have to put, people say, I've got to do something, I've got to feel horrible, I've got to feel, I've got to feel, no, you haven't got to feel anything. Just come as you are, if you're a non-Christian this morning, and it will justify you. It will make you as if you'd never sinned. As you go on in the chapter, the next chapter, his life begins to flow for you, then you live this life. Uh, the, the Zachariah one is good. He stands here absolutely filthy and God reclothes him. He puts on the robe of righteousness. That's the doctrine of justification by faith. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be the righteous. That's righteousness of God. I must finish my verses. Let's sing it again. Listen, this verse if, in my Bible is underlined that it goes through three chapters. Listen. For God made him who knew no sin 
to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He laid on him the iniquity of us all. God reckons us righteous in Christ. So this morning, if you're a non-Christian, you can come. There are no conditions but just to come, just as I am. But if you're a Christian and you don't get this, you're, there was, I was watching a program recently. They were building uh, somewhere in the east some skyscrapers, and they, I think they were joining them at the top, very high. I don't know if there was two or three being linked at the top, and they suddenly find one was out by a fraction. Now, if it had been me, I'd got a trowel of cement and just put it under one of the bricks, cut the bricks along the side, and I'd have put it right. didn't see. The whole thing stopped. Well, they all got round tables and looked at the maps and said, how can we put... It wasn't, it wasn't yards out. It was a fraction. I just, you know, I said, oh, just put a bit of cement under this bit here. That'll adjust it. But none of that at all. And they stopped the whole work to, to work, you know, work it out. Because they knew if they continued, it would go out. And if we get these things at the beginning of our Christian life wrong, they canker us right through our life. Though there's a thing today that's against doctrine. People don't want doctrine. They want little stories. They want, if you, I, don't, I do it. I, I read the news. I go on the, on the iPad for the news. And I don't read the whole thing. I just read the first bit, just to get the gist of it, just to get the gist of it, just the gist of it, you know. And I think we Christians mustn't do that. We must put our feet down to try and understand how this has been achieved. Because as I understand these things, and I'm rooted in them, I can stand firm in the day of trial. I won't stand on pretty stories or half understanding it. You know, when the doctor says, you know, what's, come on, Joe, Joe Crummy will get the answer. He's a, he's a genius. What's the next big event in my life? You want the truth? Yeah, I want the truth. <laughs> come on, spit it out. You're coming to the end. I'm coming to the end. It's it's not, what's the word? Mystery is the next one. He's got something, you know. Maybe I'll get a warning, maybe I'm not. Maybe the doctor will say, you've got three months. Well, I'm going to put my feet down on what God has promised me and what he's done for me, because I believe it. And though it may be painful, though there may be trials and problems at the end, I know who I'm believed. I know that what I've committed to him, he will keep it to that day. So we need to put our roots down and not be shallow. If we get this one wrong, we're always flicking to ourselves to justify ourselves, even as Christians. And we shouldn't do that. It's God that does that. I'm nearly finished. And you receive it by faith. Do you know what faith is? And you know what? Uh, well, it, faith with Abraham allowed him to believe God's word of promise. That staggering word of promise that he made. It was staggering. And what God's promises to us is staggering. Faith in Abraham enabled him to believe God. Faith enabled him to believe God on the very word of God, on the bare word of God. There's always a, a kind of naked element about faith. It does not ask for proof. It does not seek, in a sense, uh, it, it doesn't seek, it, it seek for it. It doesn't need it. You know, I noticed Christians later, they start looking. When I came to Christ, I didn't understand it. God did something in me, and I, and I put my faith in Christ. I didn't understand it. Then later, people start trying to prove. I don't need it proved. You know, I don't need it. Faith it is basically on the word of God. It always has an element of assurance and confidence, certainty, confidence. It's not hopefulness, mere hopefulness. Faith is fully pervaded. Faith is fully assured. Faith is certain. It's not whistling in the dark, right, to keep up one's courage. True faith is fully persuaded. Listen, 
when God begins to move you, he makes you alive. And the first thing, one of the things he gives you, in the order we don't know, is faith. It comes from God. And faith is like a baby. What does the baby want? It wants the breast. Doesn't it? What does a magnet do? It draws them out. The moment you, that God moves in you, he, he makes you alive, he gives you faith, and the moment that faith arises, it links you with Christ. That moment. Listen, this gospel is not what you do. It's what he's done. And you need to know what he's done because the doctor's going to say to you one day, you've got three months and you're going to die and you fall apart. No, I know. My feet are firmly down. I'm persuaded. I've experienced it also. I'm not talking about any doing today, am I? I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm asking you to believe that God justifies the wicked, puts them right with himself, and clothes them in Christ's righteousness. That makes me feel bold. It makes me feel bold. Let's pray. Father, how can I explain things that are beyond explanation? And I, how can I explain things that all great men have tried to, many great men have tried to explain and have not been able to do it? We always fall short of it. But your Holy Spirit can do in our hearts this morning what I cannot do. Lord, out of my, well, I don't know, um, chatting this morning, I pray you would distill on hearts, Lord, to understand the wonder of this. This is beyond belief. This is not God coming down and demanding of me to climb mountains on my knees or to do horrible things to myself to please him. What sort of God would that be? If I'm in such a state, can I do anything for myself? No, it's the God who comes to me and transforms it through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for any people this morning or outside, come and know him. Come and know how bad you feel about yourself. How horrible. Don't look for something in yourself. Just come and wrap your arms around Jesus. And I pray for Christians this morning. They'll get this. They won't live this crippled life because they don't know these truths. And Lord, we bless you and praise you and worship you, adore you for our Lord Jesus. It's a doctrine, but it's about a person. It's about a person that we could all know. Lord, we praise you for him and bless you. Amen.